Welcome to the Strong Mamas Podcast, where we're talking about our fitness and food choices as moms in real life and in light of our faith as Christ followers. I'm your host, Megan Dahlman, and together we'll be exploring what it means to be a healthy, strong mama in the middle of a culture that's obsessed with vanity. This podcast is all about helping and equipping you to take better care of yourself and the ones you love. Hey friend, welcome back to the Strong Mamas podcast. I am so glad that you're back with me this week and ready to dive back in, talking more about our fitness and nutrition and just the way that we feel and view our bodies. I hope you really enjoyed the conversation that we had last week with Heather. I felt like that was just really enlightening and I know that you might have really identified with a lot of the things that she had struggled with. And hopefully that inspired you to perhaps just seek out some solutions, to seek out freedom in the same ways that she has. Now today, I kind of want to, I just want to build on top of that. Today, I'm going to be vulnerable with you. (laughs) I know I say that a lot, but I really feel like when I open up my life and my heart and my own struggles with you, it helps you. You end up feeling validated and understood and just feel like you have a friend in your corner, a coach in your corner that understands where you're at. One thing that I've always struggled with is the shape of my own body. I'm just going to say that. I just, I have. A few years ago, we were at the beach on the Oregon coast, which, I mean, if you know anything about the Oregon coast... It's a beach, but it's not warm. (laughs) We were there, but I was certainly not in a swimsuit because it simply was not warm enough. But our kids were young, and I remember Calvin, he was probably a toddler. So this was quite a few years ago because he's nine years old now, and I think he was a toddler at the time. And I was just walking down the beach with him hand in hand, and I think I had a tank top on, like kind of like a spaghetti strap tank top. And someone took a picture of us walking down the beach. And I've posted this picture before on Instagram and Facebook because this picture was kind of a turning point for me. I feel like we all have pictures like that, right? (laughs) Where you're like, oh my goodness, that one. That was the one where so many emotions and feelings are wrapped up in just that one picture. And that, that was this one for me. Someone took a picture of us from behind and all I could see in that picture is not this sweet toddler walking hand in hand with his mom on the beach. All I could see was my back because I'm a mesomorph and mesomorphs are muscular. We just are. And then on top of that, I work out a lot because I want to be strong. I want to be fit and athletic. And so I just feel like in this picture, I just looked broad and bulky and kind of like manly. And that was the only thing I saw when I looked at this picture. And I feel like it just really represented how I felt about my body at the time. And the fact that I didn't understand how my body was truly designed and the way that that was very unique to me, it still is unique to me and it could be unique to you too. So the one thing that has helped me tremendously through the years is in the moments when I feel like I'm about to say something bad about my body, when I'm about to look at a picture like that and be like, oh my gosh, 
look at her broad back. She looks so manly and muscular. And I, I can stop that, those negative thoughts in their tracks and remind myself that I'm a mesomorph. That this is how God made me. This is the way that he designed my body from the beginning. But listen, if you do not know what your body type is, and you have no clue about the way that God designed you, and what your genetic tendencies are, and your fat, and your muscle distribution, and maybe the ways in which you struggle with fitness, or maybe even excel at certain things athletically. If you don't know any of this, then you have very little power over those thoughts when they come into your mind. So I want to stop that (laughs) for you. I want to give you that power over those thoughts, okay? So I've created a tool for you that I know will help you because it has helped me and it has helped hundreds of other women big time, okay? I've put together a body type quiz. It's entirely free and it will only take you about two minutes to take. But when you take the quiz and you learn and discover whether you're a mesomorph, you're an ectomorph, you're an endomorph, and you kind of like start to unravel these layers about who God designed you as, not just like your personality and your character traits, but even your physical design, whoa, it opens this whole new world that you never really realized existed. And I'm even going to teach you how to train and how to eat in a way that will maximize your own body. It's super awesome. So I'd love for you to take a couple minutes to go take that quiz just to start opening your eyes about the way that God designed you. I I long for that for you. Okay, so to take the quiz, there's a link in the show notes, but you can also head to strong-mamas.com slash body type. Okay, all one word. Also, just real quick, I would love to highlight what Anna said recently about the podcast. You guys have been so awesome about your ratings and reviews. It really, really has been helping this show out big time. So I just want to highlight Anna real quick. She said, and, and this totally lit up my day. I have to say, she said, Megan, you have helped me so much to get over negative body image and the dieting mindset. I also love how you bring God's word into it all. You are amazing and so vulnerable in your own journey. Keep it up. I'm so thankful for you. Love, Anna. Anna, thank you so much for taking the time out to leave that review. I really, really appreciate it. And if you haven't had the chance to go do that yet, please do. If this podcast has impacted you or changed the way you think about your body or changed anything about maybe the way that you treat food or fitness or or just anything, if it's impacted you in any way, would you please go leave a review? Now, I know a lot of you are like, how do I leave a review? I can't figure out how to do that. iTunes is super weird. When you scroll to the bottom of all the episodes, you assume that you're going to be able to find a spot to leave a review, but you actually, this is really weird, you have to unsubscribe from the podcast. So if you're subscribed, you're not going to see a spot to leave a review. So you might have to unsubscribe first, go search for the Strong Mamas podcast, scroll to the bottom where you're going to see the ratings and reviews, leave a review, and then make sure to go back and subscribe again, because I don't want you to miss any episodes, okay? So If you would love to leave a review, that would be so awesome. All right, so last week, having that conversation with Heather, it caused me to just press pause on what I had originally planned on talking about with you this week. I had this whole other thing lined up, 
and we were going to get super practical and da 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 da. But I was just like, no, we need to park on this whole concept of guilt and shame, especially body shame. I felt like we just need to stop and take a couple episodes to really dig down deep into this and talk about body shame, talk about guilt, talk about self-loathing. I know what that feels like. I mentioned it briefly, but I'm going to dig into that a little bit more. I know what that feels like to deeply hate my body, to look in the mirror and not be able to see a single thing that I like. It's been years, but I remember it so vividly. There's something that comes to my mind. I even remember the color. The color in the moment was this green, not like a good green. It was about like two shades green in the wrong direction with little flecks of sparkly gold, (laughs) which was probably a fantastic, exciting, colorful idea, maybe 20 years prior to this, but now it was hinging on just horribly dated but these were the this was the green of the walls of my dorm room bathroom but i wasn't looking at those walls anyway i don't know why that color sticks in my mind but that's where i was in that moment i was in the dorm room bathroom but i was staring straight down at the toilet instead of the walls and it was probably about 1 30 in the morning which was perfect timing because pretty much everybody on the floor was asleep and in that moment I was trying to make myself throw up and after about five or six attempts I finally just gave up pretty angry I was angry at myself that I couldn't even succeed at this Apparently, my gag reflex (laughs) was weaker and my stomach was just a whole lot emptier than I thought. But oh, how I wanted this to work. I just wanted something to work. And standing there in the bathroom stall in the dead of night, I really felt like if I could just get the food out and make sure it didn't settle into my fat layers, then I might start to become more slender. Maybe my thick waist and arms might actually shrink. Perhaps even like my flat chest might look more pronounced because of that. Maybe I'll be able to chisel off this blocky muscular appearance and maybe even be long and lean and have some sort of a lovely feminine figure. And then if I could do that, Maybe I'd be able to look at myself in the mirror and even in pictures and actually like my appearance. I might even be able to say, hey, look at that. Not bad. In fact, she's downright gorgeous. But standing there in that moment, just staring down into the toilet in an empty bathroom, my hopes were just not materializing. Part of me, I think that natural human part that truly hates to vomit, (laughs) that part of me was okay. That this was not working. I hated throwing up. It was just gross. And I just had a hunch that if I could make this happen once, then I would probably do it again and again. So in that moment, I switched to plan B. Okay, so this wasn't working. So I went to bed kind of feeling somewhat defeated, but just with this new sense of resolve. I had more strategies in my backup kit. So the next day, I was going to casually skip breakfast and lunch maybe even dinner too, if I could pull that off. 
and, you know, maybe blame it on some important essay that I had to do so my roommate wouldn't get, you know, suspicious. And then I definitely get a workout in, hopefully at least an hour, maybe 30 minutes on the treadmill and then another 30 minutes on the elliptical. And that was ideal because on both of those machines, I could watch the calories tick off and kind of roll over while I'm sitting on that machine. And then after the cardio, I would definitely bust out a handful of ab exercises until my abs were sufficiently on fire because that was the spot on my body that I hated the most. And then I felt like if these extreme measures didn't feel like they were going to work, I'd have my old standby to back me up, which was always calorie counting. It had worked wonders for me in high school, helping me lose about 15 pounds my, my senior year. I was skin and bones my senior year. And I now knew the content, the calorie content of just about every food out there by heart. And I knew that pegging in under 1,200 calories a day would do the trick. And I would just have to get organized and a bit more ambitious because accurately measuring my food and counting up those calories, it was a full-time job. And this was all in the days before like nutrition apps where they make it real easy to do all that. So the next morning I woke up and I was feeling ravenously hungry and with this sense that my soul had shrunken and shriveled up one notch more from the previous night's attempts. So I ate breakfast and I was ashamed at my lack of willpower in that moment. I was so passionate and stubborn the night before, but here I was eating again, ruining all chances of reaching the body that I really wanted. And in fact, I was so hungry and so upset, like just so emotional that I just kept on eating and I kept eating and I kept eating until I was beyond full and just adequately miserable. This was kind of my form of punishment for a mediocre body and mind that clearly had zero self-discipline, clearly had zero natural beauty or intrinsic worth. So in that moment, I remember just being stuffed to the gills and full of misery and shame. And I gathered myself up and made my way to the fitness center I didn't want to go. I hated this kind of like monotonous calorie burn. But in my mind, I had no choice, right? Either this, either do this or be fat. And I knew that when I went to the gym, I'd at least have a bunch of company there (laughs) helping to validate my situation. I could always count on a handful of other girls just like myself that were mechanically ticking off calories for hours and hours. And this was my battle day in and day out. It was me versus my body, and it felt lonely, and it felt never-ending. But every time I looked up and looked around, I saw myriads of other girls and women that were doing the same thing, that were locked in fierce battles themselves against their bodies. Every battle looked a little different. Some were intense and to the extreme like mine, or even worse, you know, far, far worse than what my story was. While some of these battles were just little fights or skirmishes where there was just like some quiet disdain at their reflections or maybe any time that they put clothes on. I think we were just all at war or we all 
have been at war and on this massive battlefield. But we're not united against it. We're, there's no like collective effort to fight the enemy. These are just all these one-on-one wars. It's silent. It feels isolated. And it's really deadly. Nobody talked about their midnight adventures in the bathroom. Nobody discussed how they felt whenever they ate a meal. Nobody mentioned the real reason they spent hours upon hours in the gym. Nobody really spoke about the deeper underlying reasons why they kept trying different ways to eat healthier, you know, quote unquote, eat healthier. I mean, nobody really talked about how they really felt deep down when they looked in the mirror or saw pictures of themselves. And I mean, sure, we giggled and agreed about things like, oh, my stomach feels so fat today or gross. That's such a terrible picture of me. Delete it. But nobody turned around to hold our hands and look us straight in the eyes and ask us, how do you really feel about your body? Why are you saying these things and why do you want to change things? And what would it mean to you if you could defeat this enemy and finally be at peace in your body? When my fight with my own body came to its ugly climax, I was in college. That was nearly 20 years ago. Oh, no, that was totally 20 years ago. I'm feeling old. But I think the work of dismantling a negative body image, it's a continual one. It's a continual process. These are things that I, I mean, clearly it's still in my memory, but it's still a piece of me. And I think in this moment, when you are struggling with this, when I am struggling with the, with all these same thoughts, it's simply not enough to slap a bunch of self-esteem and self-love on it. For me to say to someone that feels crushed with this burden of self-loathing, hey, you just need to love yourself more or have more self-esteem. <laughs> the burden of self-loathing is already so heavy and they simply cannot carry enough self-love to negate those feelings. The only, and I mean only way, because there literally is no other true solution that isn't just a band-aid. The only way to get through this is to tunnel down deep into our hearts and root out these feelings and beliefs of unloveliness by uncovering the layers of lies. When you finish listening to this episode and then the next one, and then really every episode you hear from me, my hope is not that you're finally able to stand in front of a mirror and like what you see. I know a lot of other people would say that, would say, you know, I finally want to make you lovable or make you pretty or sexy or make it so that when you stand in a mirror and you can flex and be super proud, that's not my intention. I have no intention of helping you become someone that says to the mirror, wow, what an incredibly gorgeous and sexy human being you are. That's cute and nice, but it's not going to cut it. You'll be right back where you started. My hope is that when you stand in front of a mirror, you can see a woman that has been transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That your eyes cut straight through your skin and flesh and fixate firmly on your heart. That you can look in the mirror and say, wow, what an incredible God to choose me, to create me, 
to give me a firm identity, to bestow on me his image, his design, that he would design this remarkable body for me that is strong and fully capable and love me so much that he wants great things for me. And I know that you may roll your eyes and think, what a long shot. I'm never going to be able to look in the mirror and think those things. I just want to feel pretty though. But trust me, okay? Trust me on this. So shame, shame is this big peace that we feel. What exactly is shame? It's a painful feeling of humiliation. It's even called distress, which is caused by a consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. How does that apply to body shame? I think with body shame, we feel humiliated because we believe that our body is wrong, that our body is somehow not how it should be. It's It's not how it should look. We feel fat. We feel like we have wrinkles. We've got stretch marks, maybe scars, cellulite. Maybe we feel like our body is disproportionate. Maybe we feel like we look wimpy or we're not strong enough. Maybe our body, we feel like it's injured. It's somehow wrong because it's injured. And it's not capable of doing what I think it should be. I think also we feel humiliated because we believe that our behaviors are wrong and not what they should be. Maybe we're embarrassed by our self-care habits and our actions. We look at our actions and we feel like, man, I'm, I'm an overeater. And I'm ashamed by that. I'm pretty gluttonous. I'm out of control with my food and that is... I feel ashamed. I've got a sweet tooth that is out of control. Maybe I've been on like a a diet roller coaster for years and years. I'm super inconsistent. I'm a really emotional eater. I rarely work out and I'm ashamed of that. Or maybe I don't even like to work out and I feel like I'm supposed to like it. And I'm ashamed of all of these feelings. But then we also have this piece of guilt And what exactly is guilt? And how is this different than shame? It's the fact, so guilt is different because it's the fact that we have committed something wrong or it's the feeling of having done wrong or failed an obligation. So shame is that feeling of humiliation we feel that's tied to our guiltiness. I've done something wrong And now because of that, I'm so ashamed. I feel feel humiliated. So they really go hand in hand. And body guilt is a little different than body shame because it's knowing that we've failed somehow. We've committed to doing something and we didn't follow through. It's far more closely tied to our habits and less about our body shape or size. Maybe you feel guilty because you ate the wrong thing when you were on a diet. Maybe you skipped a workout. Maybe you overate. Maybe you skipped your PT exercises that you're supposed to be doing. So those are kind of the differences between shame and guilt. But we feel both of those things very hand in hand, right? So really the question is, how do we overcome guilt for our self-care choices and those deep levels of body shame and humiliation? In today's culture, pop pop culture, the answer to the body shame issue is to just love yourself more, right? 
to be positive, you know, to have a more positive mindset, to be body positive, to be self-strong, you know, to, to work on yourself so that you're confident and that you can muster up all this, um, just this inward strength and courage. But here's what, here's my answer to that. I think you know that I'm going to be poking holes in that. And we're going to get into that a little bit more on next week's episode. But here's the thing. Unless we see the thread of shame and understand where it began and really understand when it was crushed, we can keep trying to overcome it with more and more self-love, but we're never going to defeat all of it. So we got to roll it all the way back. Where did shame begin? When did it come on the scene first? It began in the beginning, (laughs) quite simply. In Genesis 2.25, it says that the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So there was, in the very beginning, at the creation of mankind, there was freedom from shame. And even in that same statement, it mentions their naked physical bodies and how there was no shame attached to them. There was freedom from shame. It, it signified this moral innocence. But all of this would soon be lost as a result of sin. And that's what happened. And in Genesis 3-7, it says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and she ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. So in that moment, they did something wrong. They had guilt. They were no longer innocent like children. They had a new and this heightened awareness of themselves and of each other in their nakedness and their shame. There was this rawness to that moment. They felt vulnerable. They felt just laid bare, open, and just fully known. And in the very next verse, Genesis 3, 8, it says, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And then God asks them, where, where are you? Where did you go? And it's more of a statement of, why? What have you done? I know where you are. I know what's going on. What, what, come, come to me. Come back to me. Tell me what's going on. In Genesis 3.10, Adam says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. So with sin and with shame, there's almost always this feeling of fear and hiding, like we want to cover up. Adam and Eve, in that moment, their relationship was broken. It was damaged. There was a rift created between themselves and God. And we don't want to be fully known and seen. In our rawness and in our nakedness, we were ashamed of that. Yet that still is our deepest yearning as his created being is to be in his presence without shame, to be fully naked exactly as we are, exactly how he created us without shame. God in that moment, in his loving kindness, 
he understands he's heartbroken, of course, but he understands in Genesis 3, 21, it says the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Even despite their sin and their shame, God graciously and lovingly helps to clothe them and cover their shame better because they tried, you know, they tried to do it with leaves and it's just a really bad attempt. So he, he helps them out. And this act of love was most likely the very first sacrifice. An animal had to be sacrificed to provide the materials to cover their shame. But it was still, in that moment, it was just a Band-Aid on top of this festering shame wound that was swirling around in their guilt and that feeling of humiliation for what they've done. They would ultimately require an, an even better sacrifice, right? A sacrifice that was done once and for all to not just cover their sin and shame, but to fully remove it. So then we can fast forward at the finish. So that was the beginning. But then at the finish, the finish wasn't in the future when Christ comes again and makes our bodies whole and transfigures us into a glorified being. The finish was when Jesus was on the cross. It says in Hebrews 12, 2, that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our, of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. He despised the humiliation. And he has now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus hung naked on a cross. I think we have this picture that he had this cute little loincloth on covering his own nakedness. I doubt that. I'm sure he was hanging there just fully exposed. And yes, I know that that statement of despising the shame and the humiliation means so many things, but I really believe it also means this nakedness shame, this nakedness humiliation. In that moment, he absorbed the sin that held us bondage to shame. And he openly and publicly defied it. There's no more shame. It's, it's only ever a result of sin. Shame is only ever a result of sin and guilt. But Jesus, in his great act, the finale for all eternity, he removed our sins. And then the corresponding shame that goes with it, he removed it from us and replace them with an eternal peace. And he didn't just do that sitting nicely clothed (laughs) and having his own nakedness appropriately covered. He knew that shame and nakedness. And he knew that those things go hand in hand since the beginning of time. And he publicly despised it. It's as if he's saying in that moment, these bodies, these are an image of me. Enough with this body shame. Enough. In John 19, 30, in that moment when Jesus gave up his spirit, he said, it is finished. That was the finish. He finished what began in the garden. The sin and the shame that entered this world with Adam and Eve, he effectively demolished and ended on that cross that day. 
And because of what Christ did for us on the cross, the destruction of sin and guilt, all of those painful feelings of humiliation or distress that are caused by our awareness of something that's wrong, that we've done wrong or something foolish that we've done, those things are gone. He did away with all of it. So the solution to overcoming and defeating the overwhelming feelings of body shame and guilt is to recognize that it has already been taken care of. Jesus has already overcome it on your behalf. Until you surrender, submit, and acknowledge this, and then walk in it, which is what I want to talk about with you next week, until you do those things, you're going to still be stuck in this cycle of body shame and self-loathing and feeling guilt. There's this great little video that you've probably seen all over Facebook. <laughs> it's adorable. It's kind of cute. It's this little kid, probably a toddler, probably the same age of my son was when I was walking hand in hand with him on the beach. But he's standing in water. or He's not standing. He's in water. He's struggling and he's freaking out in the water. He can't swim and he's frantically clinging to a rope, trying to hold on to it as tight as he possibly can. And he is screaming because he thinks he's going to drown. But then his mom, who's standing there right beside him, she just reaches down and pushes his feet down to the ground in the water. (laughs) And once his feet touch the ground, you can see that the water only comes up to like his knees and he should never have been freaking out. I feel like that's how it is with us. We're freaking out about our guilt and shame and the self-loathing, but we don't realize it's already been taken care of. It's gone. Your guilt and shame have been nailed to the cross with Jesus. We're over here just screaming because we're trying to carry this heavy burden of shame and self-loathing. And Jesus is like, what on earth are you doing? I took care of that already. You know that, right? (laughs) So hopefully you can see that. Where the beginnings of shame happen and why it was so closely connected to our bodies. And yes, it involved food. (laughs) The apple was part of the picture. But then also where it ended. And it ended with Jesus' naked body hanging on the cross. Now next week, you need to make sure to come back, okay? Because I want to walk you through how to walk in this reality. You need to start with this knowledge piece first to understand the beginning and the finish. But knowing this, I know is is not enough. All of this needs to take root deep down and then impact your actions and your thoughts All the ways you think and treat your body. That's what's important. Okay? Now, before we end, can I just pray for you real quick? I know this is big, heavy stuff, and I know this is probably like ripping your soul apart. You might even be in tears right now. I know I felt like I was in tears momentarily through that. This is big stuff. Big stuff. And I want to just pray for you. Lord, you are good. You are so good. You've been good from the very beginning and you have been good all along and you are good to us now. And especially that moment on that cross 
when you took our guilt, when you took our shame, and you publicly and openly defied it on our behalf, and you said no more. It's finished. And Lord, I pray for the one listening right now. I pray for my friend. I pray that you will open her heart to these truths. Help her to start to see her body the way you always have wanted her to. That she has been created in your image. And she is valuable and lovely and worthy exactly as she is right now. Please open her eyes to that today. Please, Lord, please. Amen. Friend, thank you once again for for being with me today. I appreciate it. I always enjoy getting to spend time to talk with you. Please come back next week. We're going to talk more about this. We're going to dive into how to walk in this. Once you know this, how do you walk in it? Okay? So make, make sure to come back next week. Don't forget... If you have a moment, please leave a review, leave a quick rating for the show. And don't, don't forget to go take that body type quiz. I think that's, that's really pivotal, really pivotal for all of this stuff. Okay. Until next week, we'll talk to you later.